Hi, and welcome to the Health is Power podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Anna Esperham, and this is your number one podcast that supports women with deep healing using your own intuition as a guide along with many research, integrative therapies. And since I'm also an integrative pain doc and now chronic pain coach, among many other things, I have a new coaching program called Pain Free Life Academy for women who want to heal from chronic pain, whether it be headaches, pelvic pain, fibromyalgia, you name it, so you can move your body freely and do the things you love again. And so if you're interested, fill out that ideal life without pain quiz in the show notes and podcast details and drop your email and I'll give you a free discovery call. And this is a one of a kind program with me as your pain coach so that you can finally live a normal life again and begin to thrive and share your true gifts with the world. All right, everyone on to the show. to tell you our disclaimer that Anna Esperham, MD, is a medical doctor, but she is not your doctor and she is not offering medical advice on this podcast. So if you are in need of professional advice or medical care, you must seek out the services of your own doctor or healthcare professional as this podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, medical, or psychological services or advice. And none of the content on this podcast prevents, cures, or treats any mental or medical condition as you are responsible for your own physical, mental, and emotional well-being decisions, choices actions, and results. Health is Power LLC disclaims any liability for your reliance on any opinions or advice contained in this podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Health is Powers podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Anna, and we have Hallie Brooke here, who is the founder and CEO of Live Nourished, and she is a certified functional medicine nutrition counselor and a nationally board certified health and wellness coach, as well as a Fox 21 fitness and nutrition expert. And she is a big advocate for the wellness industry to help women and all kinds of people getting back to themselves in terms of feeling good in their body and in their mind, body, spirit. So, so excited to have you, Hallie. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you got into coaching. Cause I, I haven't told as much of my story to the audience yet, but I am just such a huge advocate of coaching and how a lot of us, especially women who are, you know, burnt out, exhausted, just not feeling well, um, really kind of not performing at our best or just kind of just feeling disconnected from who we are. I just find that coaching is such, I mean, it's been so incredibly helpful for me. I mean, I have my own coach and um, I have become a coach now and I just never knew what, I mean, power it could have in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. I love coaching. So, you know, my journey to find functional medicine is my own personal health journey, being super sick, being told by doctors that I have IBS and that chicken and lettuce is the rest of my life. And so good luck. And that's how you're going to live. And me going, no, I can't do that. And so kind of stumbling my way into functional medicine, finding this, and then going back to school and making a career out of it. But how I really found coaching is exactly what you said, the power of having an advocate who is in your corner, but who honors you as the expert in your own body. I think that's so important. So, you know, as a math teacher for nine years, I came out of college as pre-med, didn't go that route, ended up teaching math for nine years, 
um, had my own wellness journey landed in functional medicine. And here we are. But in that process, I went back to school and became all sorts of things. A personal trainer. I got a degree in nutrition. Um, and where I ended up with coaching is really, you know, my own knowledge is, is wonderful. And I can explain that to clients, but me knowing how someone else should eat is really not very powerful. If that person doesn't have that intrinsic motivation to make those changes on their own. You know, I can't, no matter how much knowledge I have about nutrition or fitness or functional medicine or anything, I can't be with my clients on a Tuesday in their kitchen. And so the power of coaching and the reason I ended up doing, you know, functional Institute of functional medicine, and then going the board certified route in coaching is because of the power of helping people work through their own obstacles and find the answers that they need, that they really already know the answers to in themselves. And then I kind of joke that I'm sort of like the librarian. I have this whole back backstore of knowledge and I can just pull the right book at the right time and, and give them what they need in terms of information, knowledge, resource, whatever. But the, the piece that's so important is them deciding that that's a change that they want to make on their own. And that's what coaching is. Yeah, that's what I I finally figured out because um, I just kind of fell into coaching because I got this message from someone on Instagram and and was like so intrigued and it was just kind of divine intervention just right at the right time when I I needed it in my life because I was in a big transition and I didn't know what I needed and I did I was so confused on um, how to make that change and it just so happened the same day I signed up for that coaching program and I had never had a coach before. And it, <laughs> it, it was, I mean, it was life changing and I had been through therapy. I had been through psychoanalysis. I have, I am my own, you know, integrative and functional medicine doc, but I, you know, been, you know, to many different healthcare specialists and, you know, working through all of this, um, stuff, um, health and, and mental and spiritual issues. And really it was, I just feel like the coaching was just such a bigger transformation for me personally, that I'm now such a huge advocate of coaching and I'm, I'm such a big promoter of it now. So I'm so excited to learn more from you. And, um, we're going to really talk about, um, gut health and hormone balance today. And I know, um, all of you listeners out there, um, have made that request and have been interested in it. And so I'm super excited to dive deeper with Holly because she has been doing this for a while now. And so, um, I'm kind of excited to hear your, um, history and experience with it. Hallie. Thank you. Yeah. Gut health. Golly. I could talk about gut health for days. I am such a nerd about it. Hippocrates said 2,500 years ago, um, that all illness begins in the gut and, you know, ancient cultures, I think actually got that. And then we've just written that off and totally destroyed our gut. And now we have a beginning to have ample, ample, ample research that he was actually right. So, so many things that we deal with eczema, psoriasis. We have a client right now with eye-itis, which is, I didn't know what that was when we first got it, had to research that we're fixing her gut and it's decreasing that, um, acne, anxiety, depression. I mean, we could talk about it forever, so I'll let you take it from there. But a couple of my favorite fun facts are 95% of our serotonin is created in our GI tract. And so anxiety and depression 
is getting treated as a brain dysfunction and it's actually a gut dysfunction. Um, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor is what gets prescribed for anxiety and depression just prevents your body from reabsorbing the serotonin that it already has. It doesn't address the root cause of the fact that you don't have enough in your system already. And where does it come from? It comes from your GI tract. So we heal gut and we see symptoms of anxiety dramatically decreased symptoms of depression dramatically decreased. People get off their medication. It's wild. Yeah, it was interesting when I first started out in pediatric integrative and functional medicine. Um, I remember I just saw, you know, a lot of kids and, and, you know, the mental health crisis is much bigger now. And I think this was when I was in practice, like, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago. And, um, I remember just trialing, um, a, a gluten-free diet. Um, cause I think in evaluating a lot of these kids, um, um, kind of 24 hour diet recall. It was, it was all brown foods. It's like pop tart for breakfast. And then, uh-huh. you know, lunch is, you know, chicken fingers or, you know, a hamburger from the school and then, you know, dinner time is pizza or whatever. And, and so, you know, you just get all those brown foods, there's all wheat. And so it's like wheat, 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 and gluten, gluten, gluten. And so I was like, you know what, just take a break a little bit from gluten. And this kid had such severe phobias, um, that it was preventing him from even going to school, hanging out with his friends. He couldn't sleep. I mean, there was a ton of different, um, mental health issues going on. And literally we just took out gluten in his diet. Um, that was, I think the biggest change that we made for his gut health. And literally that was the one thing that made him go back to school. (laughs) hang out with his friends and sleep. <laughs> so I thought that was super into that was just a really, you know, a case that I remember. So yeah. Yep. It's crazy. It's so funny. I mean, it's not rocket science at all. It's such simple things that you can do, you know, on a Tuesday and they make massive differences in your health. And it's so simple. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when like someone even talking about, um, mental health, um, let's focus on that. For example, um, when somebody is experiencing a lot of anxiety, um, depression, um, do you start with removing some of the most common, um, food inflammatory triggers? Yeah. Yep. So we do what's called the five R process. So the first one is remove, which is, uh, I like to make the analogy of a cut on your arm. You know, if you have a cut on your arm, the first step to healing that is to take the knife out, like stop cutting your arm, remove the things that could be causing issues. So we remove the biggest triggers, gluten, dairy, corn, genetically modified soy. We can go into a whole nother thing, but uh, water washed organic soy has totally different research than genetically modified soy. It's a totally different food. So gluten, dairy, genetically modified soy, corn, um, those are kind of the big ones, processed food and refined sugar. So take the knife out, stop making, stop causing damage is the first R remove. And then the second R is repair. So our gut epithelial lining, which when I talk about the gut, I'm largely talking about the large intestine is one cell thick, which is absolutely mind boggling. When we think about the, the thinnest pieces of skin on our arm, you know, inner elbow, back of knee, that's 30 cells thick. The, the skin under our eyes is 30 cells thick. So you imagine how delicate that is. 
your gut is one cell thick. So even more delicate and what allows that to be possible and not just have holes in our gut and rip it apart all the time is the mucosal lining that lines the interior of our large intestine. So step one is remove. Step two is repair and repair is we have to increase that mucosal lining so that it acts like a bandaid and your gut actually can heal, right? If you're if you have a cut on your arm and you stop cutting yourself, your body's going to heal itself. If you can put a bandaid over it, the bandaid doesn't heal it, but it helps it heal faster by creating a barrier of protection. So that's step two. Step three is to rebalance or re-inoculate. That's kind of two R's at once in that five R. So rebalances, you know, are there, um, imbalances in gut bacteria, which for people who've been on antibiotics a lot, either as a child or as an adult, we've got a microbiome dysbiosis or imbalance. So getting some probiotics in there, but then really also getting prebiotics in there. Prebiotics are what feed the lawn. We talk about gut bacteria as a lawn, right? You only need to reseed it once, but then we have to put fertilizer and water on it. So the combination of prebiotics and probiotics to, uh, reintroduce and reinoculate, sorry, reinoculate and, uh, and wait, (laughs) hold on, remove, repair, reinoculate and rebalance. There we go. Um, and then sometimes people need some enzymes to help with digestion. Not always, usually with repair and reinoculate, we're good, but occasionally digestive enzymes are good and then reintroduce. So the crazy thing is when we heal someone's gut, a lot of times when they had food intolerances and we go through a whole healing process, those food intolerances are either completely gone or dramatically reduced because they're not having an immune system reaction. So that's a, that's one thing too. I want to go back to when you talk about um, the digestive enzymes, because I I think a lot of people still don't understand um, what can cause, um, acid reflux. Um, and so if you can also touch base on how both food intolerances, and then maybe even the lack of stomach acid, um, Mm -hmm. can produce, you know, some people with, um, acid reflux and where a lot of people think they have high stomach acid, they might have low stomach acid. Yeah, exactly. So well said. So probably in a majority of acid reflux cases, it's actually an issue of low acidity, not high acidity, which is wild. And, you know, the things that we have to treat acid reflux are things that reduce acidity like Tums and PPIs, but the actual problem is low acidity. And then what's super counterintuitive to that is, um, an alkaline diet. So a low acid diet is actually what will help raise stomach acid. Um, not totally intuitive, but with people who are dealing with acid reflux, getting their bodies alkaline so that their stomach can be acidic is incredibly helpful. And we have huge results on that. What was the second question you asked? Um, it was, um, what do you ever prescribe? Um, it was kind of a two-part question leading up to it, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on it first. Um, because I didn't, I haven't, I don't think I've talked I don't know if I've talked about this actually too much on the podcast at all, but um, sometimes we've had to give 
people with low stomach acid, um, and an alkaline diet. Yeah, it, that's great. But some people with low stomach acid actually need, um, the betaine HCL. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've had to do that for several of our patients. Um, and what we've done before is betaine HCL, um, definitely is, is, is like stomach acid. So it helps raise your stomach acid or, or, you know, decrease the pH, um, so that you can actually really crush up the food and get it into that really, you know, chyme is what we call it. And some people actually have to really increase very slowly so that, you know, I've had some people go up to like six capsules with their meal. Obviously you want to start off with just one capsule with each meal and go slow with it because you want to make sure you do have low stomach acid versus high stomach acid, which is a majority of people do have low stomach acid, but it's very hard to test for it. You have to do this 24 hour pH test typically overnight in the clinic or in a hospital. And so a lot of people don't do it. Um, but anyway, um, you know, you start off with one capsule of betaine HCL, and then, you know, if you don't feel anything or notice anything with your acid reflux, then you can keep going up until you start feeling better. And then you always know if you're getting too much, when you start feeling like too much heartburn or too much warmth in, in your stomach or, or your chest area. Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm going to answer that in two different ways. Um, the first answer, which is like the most basic answer is because, I'm a, I'm a coach and a nutrition counselor. I I'm really careful to not prescribe and to stay in my scope, scope of practice. So when we do have to do something like that, we're always referring out to a practitioner who can prescribe because staying in scope of practice is so important to keep our clients safe. Um, but to answer that question in a different way, because what you just said, the test is so hard to do and so expensive. And that's really true about a lot of functional medicine tests. You know, a microbiome test is awesome and it gives us so much information and the cheapest one out there is $400 and insurance doesn't usually cover it. So a lot of times when we get a new client with people, people ask us all the time, like, do you do testing? And the answer is no one, because it's not in our scope of practice, but two, because with our, our methodology and our protocol of teaching people to track their food figuring out what actually does cause acid reflux, figuring out what does cause diarrhea or constipation. I can figure out 90% of what's going on in their body from just a simple food mood poop journal that is free and costs nothing. Um, and it's more empowering for them because it puts their health back in their hands, right? They, instead of having to go to a hospital or pay for a test that, you know, in order to figure out if anything's different, they have to pay for it again we can say, okay, here are the things that we're looking at. Here's what we're going to track. And I'm going to empower you to figure out what your body likes and what your body doesn't. Um, and it's so much more powerful. And then every once in a while, probably, I don't know, less than 5% of the clients that we get, if we get three, four five months down the road, and we haven't made progress with all of the things that we're doing, that's when we refer out because sometimes tests are necessary, but we don't start with tests for that reason. They're expensive and they're hard and they're time consuming and we don't, we don't need them. Yeah. And I love that because another thing that's great about coaches is exactly what you just said is really um, empowering them to become in tune with their bodies because everyone is so different. And, you know, just because a majority of people have this condition because of 
you know, whatever doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're going to have that. And so it's really important for the individual to really become their own kind of medical intuitive um, and really take care of themselves instead of, you know, um, give someone else their power to take care of themselves for themselves, if that well, makes sense. Uh, yeah, I couldn't, I could not have said that. Differently. <laughs> <laughs> we um, are so used to outsourcing our well-being to doctors. I talk about this with diet plans all the time. You don't need a diet plan or a calorie counting app to figure out what your body needs over a daily basis. You just have to pause long enough to listen to what your body needs, but we're so used to outsourcing. Um, and we're so used to this posture of, well, I can't figure it out. So I'm going to follow this diet plan, or I can't figure it out. So I'm going to use the calorie counter on my phone, or I can't figure it out. So I'm going to go see this practitioner. And it's, it's just not necessary but it's also a learning curve and why you need a coach or someone walking beside you to help you learn how to internalize and not outsource your well-being. Yeah, exactly. And and that's also another big reason why I love coaching. Um and and I I always wanted to do that in my practice and in my clinics, but I think and and this is just how it is with the healthcare system and the medical system, especially in the conventional world. I mean, even in the functional medicine world as well. But mm-hmm. oftentimes, a lot of people abdicate their um, you know power to that practitioner or to the doctor versus really just listening to them. If you have side effects to something, but the doctor's like, keep on it, you know. I mean, you really can get in trouble there um, if you don't definitely tune in. Um, I was going to ask you in it and it, I was going to go back, sorry to switch tracks so often, but when you talked about, um, removing a lot of those, um, common inflammatory food triggers, um, Mm -hmm. how long do you recommend typically to remove those foods? That's a great question. The shortest I've seen it be effective is 30 days. The longest it's ever taken for someone to heal that I've seen so far is 120 days. So part of it depends on the person and how much damage has been done. Some people heal faster than others, but, um, same thing. I go back to, you know, a broken arm or a cut on your arm with healing your gut, your guts, not like a broken arm. If you break your arm, you put it in a cast and you don't use it for six weeks and it heals with our guts. We can't do that because we have to keep nutrients and food coming into our bodies. So we're, we're trying to mitigate the damage while still using the system while it heals. So sometimes it can take longer. 30 days is a great starting place. Six weeks is also often what it takes to heal something that you're still using. If you try to imagine healing a broken arm while still, you know, using it, we're going to at least not play baseball, but we might be still picking up a fork or typing. Yeah. It's just a big question I get often. It's like, okay, I've, I've done this for, you know, three days and nothing has <laughs> helped. And so, <laughs> so I just want to reiterate that, um, that it takes a little bit longer, um, for the gut to heal, but, um, definitely not a forever thing. And we're not, you know, trying to demonize any foods or anything. It's just trying to get your body to get back to itself again. And you really do have to do these practices, the, the remove, the repair, the rebalance, re-inoculate and reintroduce, because that does typically tend to help that gut health. And so, um, the other 
question before we get into a lot of the gut health and the hormones too, because I have so much to say about that. It's such a huge thing for me, especially because I had endometriosis and I had, I had peritonitis too, which is a, you know, big infection of the gut. And so I just, I had all these like women's health issues. And that's why the number one reason why I started the podcast is because I had to do a lot of figuring all this out on my own, um, even as a doctor. And so one of the questions um, that I have is, and this is probably more controversial nowadays is because there's probably not that much research is I was dairy intolerant ever since I was like probably five or six years old. And so I didn't eat much dairy at all up until just recently, just a couple of years ago. And I started on this program where, you know, I did the remove, repair, rebalance, reintroduce. But what I did was um, I did a new different type of probiotics. I did a spore based probiotic and I did that for a while. Um, and then I started switching to, um, raw a two um, casein milk. <laughs> and I was so nervous about raw a two casein milk. Cause I you know, never drank milk ever since I was five. I mean, my dairy intake was so low. I was like, Oh gosh, what's going to happen. And man, I feel great drinking <laughs> the, and it's from the farm just a few blocks down. And so she just has a cow in her backyard. And so she milks it. Um, and so we get the milk from the farmer and it is amazing. And I don't have any issues with it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I would say that's, that's not controversial. There's not a ton of research, but there is research. Typically as humans, we lose our lactase enzyme, that enzyme that breaks down lactase by about the age of five. So that's really typical for people to start having a lactose intolerance around the age of five, because that's when our bodies stop producing that enzyme and, you know, milk, raw cow's milk is amazing. Goat's milk is also amazing, has enzymes and bacterias in it that are really good and really nourishing for our bodies. And so when we can support our bodies in having like developing the enzymes that we need, because you can replace lactase in your system. There's, you know, cheap things that you can buy at Walmart. I don't recommend that, um, that have lactase enzyme, but you know, you can, um, or you can train your body to say, Hey, I need you to produce this enzyme and it will then you can get the positive benefits of really whatever you eat. And it's similar with gluten. You know, um, it's fascinating. A lot of people who have gluten tolerance and intolerance in the U S don't at all in Europe because we've crossbred and genetically modified and sprayed, every, sprayed everything with glyphosate. So what we're eating is different from what they're eating over there. But that said, a lot of times when you heal that gut lining and you no longer have food particles leaking out, which then triggers your immune system to attack it like a foreign invader, you would be surprised what you can eat because it's staying contained in your gut system and it's not triggering an immune response. It's not triggering an intolerance response. And so when you heal, absolutely, you can eat things that you wouldn't have before. And then you get all the beautiful benefits of that. Yeah. And, and even touching more on that, um, I really, I notice too, when I'm in a less stressful state in a less fight or flight state, I can actually, cause I'm, I am gluten-free. Mm-hmm. I've been, I've been mostly gluten-free since I had that peritonitis, but, um, but I've been able to do a little bit of gluten here and there without any issues whatsoever when I'm not stressed. Now, when yep. I am in a stressed state, I cannot do it. 
Yeah. So well said. This is so funny. I actually gave a talk this last Tuesday and there was a teacher there who's starting school. And I know what that's like because I was a teacher for nine years. And so she asked me, she said, you know, when I get stressed, I start getting diarrhea and gas and bloating and all of these things. What can I do to reduce my stress? And so we kind of joked about, um, the typical things that are thrown out there, like take deep breaths and meditate and all the things that as a teacher who's working 50 hours a week, you just want to be like, thanks for that advice. That's completely worthless. And so what we talked about is if we think about stress, like a cup, when you overflow that cup, you start getting symptoms. So what are the things that you can do to, to shrink what's in that cup so that you still have capacity? And one of the things that you can do is switch up your diet for a short period of time. Things that cause inflammation like gluten and dairy put more stress on your body. And so when you're under high stress and we can't fix the stressful situation, you know, first year teaching beginning of the school year, that's just stressful. And it's going to be, we, there's not a lot of room we have to to tweak that or, you know, being a new mom or whatever it is dealing with family stuff that we don't necessarily have control over, but I can reduce the amount of stress that I'm putting in my body in terms of the food. So I can reduce gluten. I can remove dairy and that reduces the stress. And then when the external stress goes away, I can absolutely eat those things again, because it's about keeping my cup at a reasonable level and not letting it overflow. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's a huge connection and yeah, I'm, I'm really focused on that mind body connection and that stress gut connection is, is so it's like the gut gets hit first, you know, cause the vagus nerve, there's a whole bunch of connections with the stress and the gut and the brain and the gut itself. And so the gut just gets hit, man, that yeah. gut. It really does. Another fun fact that I, I learned recently, two weeks ago in terms of the brain gut connection is in a fetus, when a fetus is developing, cells are pulling apart and starting to specialize. The group of cells that creates the brain is the exact same group of cells that creates the gut. So as that specialization starts happening, this specific group of cells creates both. And in invertebrates, they like way, you know, billions of years ago, had guts before they had brains. So our gut is called our first brain. Yeah. I I totally, yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And, um, that's why in my, um, group coaching program, especially when I'm starting with my chronic pain, I'm really making sure the gut health is like one of the top priorities because it is so connected with the pain pathways. Yep. Um, okay. Do you want to get into hormones and the connection to gut health? Okay, cool. Um, The, the one thing, um, that I studied previously, cause I did, I did this whole women's health, um, kind of functional medicine course that I created. And, um, one of the research that, um, I really pulled into my program was how the gut microbiome and the gut inflammation that was occurring was actually causing, um, issues with hormone imbalances and inflammation in the uterus and the uterine lining uh, and the endometrial lining. And so I thought that was so crazy because it just felt, I mean, especially with the history that I had all that inflammation in the gut, um, and, and I had changes in my gut microbiome because it was just totally destroyed with all the IV antibiotics. Um, and that's when I started developing a lot of the, uh, menstrual cramps, um, and gut issues all at the same time. And I was like, oh my gosh, this totally makes sense. Yeah. So, 
So with your practice, I know a lot of women now have hormone imbalances. And so, I mean, I'm sure you start with just this program, you know, the four R's that you recommend, and then I'm sure you're seeing some excellent results for whether it be PCOS, um, menstrual cramps. um, I mean, even thinking about endometriosis, like I had, um, um, and even menopause. Yeah. Yeah. Huge results. So there's kind of three, I don't know, it's not really steps because it's not super linear, but three pieces that go into balancing hormones. The first one is same as gut health, which is remove. So remove everything that's an endocrine disruptor in your world. The, you know, super toxic uh, laundry detergent that we use that is literally soaking into our skin every single day because it, it doesn't fully get washed out of our clothes. That's an endocrine disruptor that yeah. I'm dryer sheets too. Right yeah. Yep. Dryer oh, yeah. Sheets. Yeah. Dryer sheets. I use these little wool balls. They're called woolies. I have four balls and that those are my dryer sheets and they work great. They keep everything static free. What do you use for the laundry detergent? For laundry detergent, I use like a natural dye-free, fragrance-free. Okay. That's what I use too. I just, I I haven't researched laundry detergent too much, but I just was like, everything's free and I will get that. Yes. Yep. Free everything. Fragrance is one of the number one endocrine disruptors. So fragrance in cleaning products, fragrance in skin products, fragrance in candles. Candles are horrible. I had a, a doctor who I was working with one time say, if you're going to light a candle, you might as well just back a diesel truck up to your window and turn it on. I was like, that's a little dramatic, but it's actually really true as it turns out. So step one is just remove, you know, the crazy hippies who live next door, who have everything fragrance-free, natural, using thieves oil and silver cloths, they have something going for them. So remove. Um, The second step is reducing that cortisol response. So In hormone balance, we see something called the cortisol steal. All hormones come from cholesterol to start. So you have to have cholesterol to create hormones. And then from cholesterol, your hormone breakdown gets broken down into two categories, either cortisol, which is the stress hormone, or your sex hormones, your estrogens and androgens and progesterones. And so when you have really high stress from whatever it is, whether it's external stress, whether it's internal stress from inflammation and gut permeability, whether it's, um, I call it high rev stress. So especially with women, women who on the outside, their life looks pretty chill, but on the inside, they're kind of high rev. They're always in their head. They're always thinking about the next thing that's stress, that's cortisol. And your body doesn't know the difference between that kind of high rev in your head and running away from a saber tooth tiger for yeah. your body it's the same. And I'm going to add um, this high rev stress, but also like internalizing stress and everyone, they, they, they're like, oh, I'm not stressed. I'm totally not stressed. <laughs> and, and, but they're people pleasing uh-huh. They're They have perfectionistic tendencies. They do have that worry. Um, they're constantly in their head thinking, thinking, thinking. Um, so yeah, I, it's just oh. paying attention to that because it's, when we say stress, it doesn't mean you're necessarily physically feeling the effects of stress, but it could be an a internalized emotional deep feeling that is more subconscious that's been percolating for a long time. Yep. Yeah. Well said. So 
that's the cortisol steal. And if, if you have high stress, I ask my clients, you know, what would you say on average over the course of a week, zero to 10, what's your stress level? If you're on average above five, your hormones are going to be imbalanced because your cholesterol is being, it's being stolen and turned into cortisol instead of being turned into estrogens, androgens, progesterones. So when we're dealing with someone in that category, similar to what we do with gut healing, but we say, okay, or that cup that I was talking about with a teacher, where is the stress coming from? Is it external? Is it internal? Is it uh, inflammation caused? And then where do we have room to adjust that? If we need to reduce our stress, what can we do? And a lot of times we'll start with gut healing because that's a super easy way to reduce internal physical stress. If your immune system isn't attacking things all the time, that's going to reduce the level of stress in that cup. So um, number one, remove things that are endocrine disruptors. Number two, give your body every chance it possibly can to turn cholesterol into the hormones that you need. And then number three is what we call nutritional imbalances or immediate nutritional rebalancing. So things like five out of seven people in the U S are deficient in vitamin B. We used to think vitamin B12 came from meat. And so only vegans and vegetarians were deficient in that. We now know it actually comes from bacteria in the soil. And so cows were passing that along because they were eating dirt with their grass and vegetarians are washing that off. But, you know, industrial farming and all of these things were not getting vitamin D. So getting vitamin B, getting vitamin D, those kind of things make a massive difference. And then another really easy one to start getting some of those things that as women, our bodies really need is seed cycling. Do you know about that at all? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's one of my favorite things. And it's so easy. So there's the follicular and the luteal phase of our cycles. Our bodies need different nutrients during those different phases. Um, we need zinc and iron and selenium and potassium and seeds. Thank you, Lord, for giving us seeds. Give us that. And if we use a certain blend of seeds at the beginning of our cycle, and then a certain blend of seeds after we ovulate, it's so easy. There's a couple super amazing brands that make it super easy, but getting those seeds and adding it to a smoothie or a salad every day, and then halfway through the month, when you ovulate switching to the other set of seeds is brilliant. And with that one tiny switch, we see women who have significant symptoms with their period, stop having breast tenderness, cramps decrease, PMS decreases, all of these things. And really it's just nutrients that their body needs at different times of their cycles. Yeah, I agree with the nutrient. And the reason is, is when um, I used to work in just a strict, you know, integrative functional medicine practice at an academic medical center, we would test everyone on their micronutrients. I mean, zinc, all the vitamin Bs, vitamin D, all the minerals, you name it. And it was amazing how many people were so incredibly deficient. And, yeah. and so, I mean, and, it, and it's shown in many studies how we're not getting our, um, dietary intake as we need for different micronutrients. And, and what you listed here is, is definitely most of them. And so I haven't done seed cycling before. Um, so that'll be, it'd be interesting. Um, I want to try that out a little bit more. It's honestly, it's so easy. You can either, you know, go to a health food store, buy those seeds in bulk. You want to eat them ground because that if they're whole, it's harder for your body to absorb it. So you can put it in your coffee grinder, grind it, and then put two tablespoons on your food. Or there's amazing brands. Um, there's one called Funkit Wellness. Love them. There's another one called Agni, A-G-N-I. 
that make it super easy. And they'll send you once a month, here's your bag for your luteal cycle. Here's your bag for your follicular cycle. Like brilliant women-owned businesses who are like, I can make this easier. Um, and yeah, it's one of the easiest things that you can do. Most women I coach eat a salad or a smoothie at some point in the day, and you just add two tablespoons and we're starting to get traction and balancing. That's not the only thing you have to do, but if you're going to do one thing, why not? Yeah, no, seeds are super great and, and super nutritious. Do you, um, how do you recommend flax seeds for women? Love flax seeds. What do you mean? Like, like um, a lot of people um, buy the ground flax seed already ground. And what I was, uh, I read, I think it was a research study and it might've been a couple of years ago, but they had said it was oxidized when you already buy it ground. And so they were saying buy the new or buy the flaxseed whole, um, and I believe organic whole flaxseed and then grind them up each time you need to use them. And I just like, man, I can't do that. It's yeah. like too much time. So I, how do you recommend getting flax seeds? Cause it's great for prevention of breast cancer. It's great for women's hormones. It's great for women's health and fiber and gut health. Yep. Adding flax seeds once a day to a meal can dramatically reduce colon polyps and colon cancer. Totally. So you're right. When you buy it already ground, it does oxidize. That said, if the option is not eating flax seeds at all, because grinding it every time you eat it is just hard. And in America, we don't make time for stuff like that or buying it ground, buy it ground and then keep it in the refrigerator because refrigeration. So the reason it oxidizes is because nuts and seeds have oil in it and oil oxidizes with heat and light. So if you can keep it in a light proof bag or a light proof box in the back of your refrigerator, so it stays cold, it'll slow that process down. It will still oxidize, but you can tell, you know, if you open, probably you've smelled rancid oil before. If you open that bag and it smells like rancid oil, it's time to chuck that bag and get a new one. So what you said is totally right. If you have the time and the energy to grind your flaxseed every time you eat it, or even grind it a week in advance in a coffee grinder, do it. Um, there are clients who absolutely can do that and want to do that. And that's important. And if the option is, you know, not adding that to your diet or buying it pre-ground, buy it pre-ground and, and mitigate the oxidation. Yeah. And some um, natural food stores will have it stored in the freezer, which I think is pretty good so that it doesn't oxidize as quickly and then just put it, you know, in your fridge or your freezer right after. But one friend of mine, actually, um, she wants to be a coach too. She wants to be a health coach. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting, but, um, she grinds it. Yeah. in her coffee grinder or whatever. And then she freezes it for like a month, um, mm -hmm. and just uses it for the whole month. So yeah, that is something that we can definitely try. Yep. I need to get more flaxseed. That is my goal. Flaxseed is fantastic. A two okay. tablespoons every day is a great place to start. And the research on two tablespoons of ground flaxseed every day are, are wild. Gosh, yeah, I know. I keep buying it and I'm like, I never follow through <laughs> with it. I'm going to do it this time. <laughs> Another thing you can do, which um, doesn't have the fiber that flax oil, the fiber or the protein that flax seeds does is flaxseed oil still has fantastic anti-cancer anti benefits. And that's a really easy way to buy that, put it in the fridge, use it within a month, throw it in your smoothies. That's a great option too. Okay. Yeah, no, I love it. Okay. Good goal to have. <laughs>
<laughs> add flax seeds to daily meals yep oh my gosh okay um okay any what else about hormone balance anything we haven't touched on yet oh man I mean hormones gosh yes yes and no I know. yeah I'm sure <laughs> there's like a ton um yeah. oh you know what I did um I had Aviva Ram on I can't remember um it was a few months ago and um, we were promoting her book, Hormone Intelligence by Aviva Ram. It is so good. And I've read the book. It, Ladies, if you have any issue with hormone imbalances, PCOS, menopause, menstrual cramps, um, infertility, I mean, you've got to read that book by Aviva Ram. I am just, her book is so well-researched and just has so many good tips. So go for that little, little side note. Okay. That's a great suggestion. I would say, you know, the, the yes and the no to that question is, is there more to talk about? Absolutely. Because hormones are incredibly complex. Even our top scientists don't totally understand how they work and they control absolutely every function in our body. So is there more to talk about? Yes. And one of the things that I talk about a lot in my practice is two degree shifts. So if you take off sailing from the United States, and you change your tack by two degrees and you keep sailing across the ocean, you end up on a different continent than you would have been before. So it's super easy, especially if you're trying to do something on your own, which neither you or I recommend, like get a coach, find a practitioner, don't try to navigate this on your own. But if you are gonna try to do something on your own, pick one thing that is simple and doable, that's a two degree shift, and then keep doing it. If you're going to start with seed cycling, start seed cycling and do it for six months. That's one thing that's really small and really basic and sail across the ocean with that one shift. And you will have made, you'll end up on a different continent than the path that you're headed down right now. So I always love to, you know, end conversations about hormones or gut health or something that is really complex and has a lot of factors with something like that, it is complex. It is overwhelming. Absolutely get help, get a coach, get a practitioner to, to walk with you through that journey. And you can start tomorrow with one really simple thing, seed cycling, or, you know, remove gluten from your diet and stick with that or start a process of healing your gut one thing, and it'll make a massive difference. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a doctor to heal your own body. No, definitely not. And you don't have to make these huge, humongous, big changes because I know I've tried to do that. I'm super disciplined. I can do any diet in the world and it just is never sustainable to actually have true healing and transformation. So I totally agree. Those small shifts make, I mean, big, big, big impact for you. Um, this is great. Oh my gosh, Hallie, you just provided so much for the audience today. And um, tell us a little bit about your services and um, where people can find you, who's your ideal client and um, where they can find you on your website and your social media. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So www.livenourishedcoaching.com is our website. You can book a free consult with us on there. And then on Instagram at live nourished coaching. We also have a Facebook page, just search live nourished coaching and you'll find us. Our ideal client are women who are, they feel like they don't have any options. They have gas and bloating. They have hormone issues. And they've just been told by a lot of doctors that this is the rest of their life. That's who we work with. So if you want to feel well, and you've been told that not feeling well is 
your normal. It doesn't need to be your normal. And then what we do, because we believe in the concept of living nourished, all of our programs are actually really affordably priced memberships because we don't want someone to come work with us and have it be a one and done program. And then they go off and they have to fend for themselves. So we work with women over the course of a year. We have three different tiers of memberships so that they are given one-to-one coaching, group coaching. We're, you know, targeting what their needs are specifically to them, but they're also being plugged into a community that's walking in the same direction that they are, especially for women whose, you know, husbands aren't fully on board or their friends aren't fully on board or their kids aren't fully on board. That community aspect is super important. So we have three different memberships. And if you book a consult with us, we'll walk you through it and see if we're a good fit for you. And if we're not, we have a ton of referrals like Dr. Anna of people who we send clients to if we're not the right fit for them. That's great. I I think that how you structured your program is just, um, it's amazing. And I think it, it, I'm already thinking of a few people who need to do your program. (laughs) So I think that's awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show, Hallie. Anything else that you want to leave the audience with? Gosh, um, I would just say, so here's, here's the question that I would always leave you with is what are you nourishing? So often we think about food as bad or good. We think about whether or not I got out for my run or my workout today and I did bad or good pause, take a step back on that and ask yourself the question, what are you nourishing? If you took a nap instead of going for a run, you're actually probably nourishing something really important. If you ate some cake because it was your best friend's birthday, you're nourishing something really important. And so we tell our clients by the end of their time working with us, if they can make a hundred percent nourishing choices, a hundred percent of the time we've been successful and nourishing doesn't always mean choosing a salad or a run. Nourishing sometimes means choosing pizza and a nap. So what are you nourishing? That is so interesting because I just decided, Another side note, I just started asking that myself just within the last two weeks. Cause I was like, I was talking to my husband. I was like, gosh, I need to give myself more grace and like more gentleness. And I, I really need to nur- nourish myself and nurture myself more. And so now I've been, I have been asking that question. That is so funny that you, you said that at the very end. That's really interesting. Good job. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, thanks for coming on the show, Hallie. I'm so happy to have you here. So much good information, getting down to the root of hormone issues and gut health. Um, and everyone, um, I take advantage of that, um, free, um, clarity session with, with, um, live nourished coaching at live nourished coaching.com. Thanks. Thanks, Anna.